Six-Pack Lapidot, I want to give a quick shout-out to our partners, the strength guys in this app that we have. It can be found at positionsofpower.programs with an S dot app. And the strength guys who coach people like Taylor Atwood, have you heard of him? He's pretty good. Uh, they've had several world champions, several national champions, and uh, I mean, a laundry list of records, national records, world records have been broken, etc. But they have an app with their elite level programming available, video tutorials. Uh, I mean, the whole nine, it's one stop shop once you're in here. There's a Discord where they're doing video review of your lifts. Um, to get all your lifts analyzed so you get elite level programming and coaching for $29.99 US a month. Positionsofpower.programs.app. Go there and get yourself started. <laughs> Right, we're back, and this time we got Amelia Potter Potts. Thanks, um, everybody who listens to King of Lifts. Like I always talk about, like sports psychology. Like I like not. It, I don't talk about it from a stance of I am an expert in the field. I talk about it from the stance of I'm super interested in it. Um, so, and I was always like, I want to get somebody on from the sports psychology world, but. It's got to, I wanted it to somehow apply to powerlifting. Not that we have to, a lot of the principles, it doesn't matter for like, it it can apply to everything, right? Like you could take a straight up sports psychology and just make it apply to powerlifting. However, this just fits because I met you at the IPF world championships when you were working with team Great Britain. And um, so what the hell? And obviously like when we were talking and whatnot, um, it was easy vibes, easy chemistry. So it makes it a whole lot easier. You know, it yeah. just makes it easy to do that. So, uh, but anyway, so I was like, let me reach out to Amelia. And you, you were saying um, you won't be able to make it to this world, will you? No, I'm not. I'm not coming to this world, unfortunately. Although you did mention it's, it's winter there. So maybe not so bad, but no, I, I, I'll be keeping up to date and, you know, listening to your wonderful voice on the oh, live thanks. stream. Um, but I won't be out of this one um, this year but I'm really really looking forward to seeing uh, you know people from all the countries everyone's been training super hard I'm really excited for it this year it's 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 Arian's on the podcast too um, and he's you're gonna be at Worlds Arian yeah but I'm jealous that I leave for one year and you start making new friends without me (laughs) doggy but um, also me and Arian actually are um when we're traveling to South Africa, cause it's like a fucking day to get there. Like you lose a day. Like, I mean, it's like how many, how many hours area? But when we finally land Ooh. in South Africa, I mean, we have the long layover. So it's like 32 hours or 33 hours for me. But me and Arian, <laughs> Arian um, land in Paris together. And we're not even coming from the same country. We just like some, this is just going to happen. Right. We're going to land in Paris together and we have a 12 hour layover together in Paris, me and my boy. And we're going to, so here's the thing, when it comes to a layover, if it's like two hours, man, whatever, you can't do nothing with it. It's like a waste of time. 
But if it's 12 hours, Amelia, I'm, <laughs> I'm leaving my bags. Me and Arian are like, we're touring. We're going to go see some like parks, you know, go see some museums, go to some cafes, freaking have di- have a delightful dinner. You know, <laughs> dinner, drinks, yeah. wh- whatever. We're going to do our damn thing. We just need to find um, somebody in Paris who could like help show us around and because um and listen if anyone's listening if you guys are like got that 12 hour layover i know some people do okay uh, let us know but um thing is so i asked penna and leah in them uh and i i don't think they're because they're obviously going to worlds as well i don't think they're going to be there i think they're already going to be flying out yeah I, I love how, first of all, I love how the first thing you're like, oh yeah, I get to go to Paris. I'm going to go see some parks. <laughs> the first, the first thing He's I like, like Aaron and I are going to hold hands, work the, yeah, walk through the park together. Dog, this is a picture of picnic. We're in Paris. On, romantic. It's romantic. Yeah. It's, it's Paris, man. Come on. Do you know what you want to do there other than see some parks? Like, so I asked, um, I was with, so Leah Babel came to Toronto actually like uh last weekend we stopped holy shit you see what was going on in social media we we're talking about it a little bit it was um so leah babwa and ben escrows are her boyfriend they were in toronto jess came over from saskatoon to toronto um luke was there he's like local uh so we were all there in in toronto and leo ben was telling me in paris there's like some museums, but historically, because you got to keep in mind too, over here in North America, if a house is 200 years old, we think that's fucking crazy because that's how new North America is. It's like, I know it's laughable for you guys, but for us, like that house is 200 years, it's from the 1800s. And for us, it's like, oh, fuck. Whereas in Europe, I know, whereas Europe, you guys have castles. You guys have freaking like things that date back like thousands of years. So for me and Arian from north america we're going to be walking around europe looking at like um they were telling me ben was telling me about like the during the time of the plague they had dug holes and were burying bodies and it was like you can go underground and it this is from like way back then but it's like the way it was it sounds morbid but it's actually like still fascinating because it's part of history but you you have like deep of just nothing but skeletons and i forget what it's called like famous the catacombs there it is thank you yeah thank you there's a lot though there's like a lot of stuff the eiffel tower there's a lot of stuff you gotta check out um i'm gonna before i go we only got 12 hours me and arian gotta make an agenda because we can't be we can't be walking around fighting over this area i was gonna say well, I was going to say, too, it's 12 hours, but it's still like, you know, maybe an hour to get into the center of town, an hour back. You have to be there now, like two hours early to check back in and stuff like that. So we don't have as much time, but Eiffel Tower definitely seems like something to do. Doggy, we're going to be taking pictures, running around the Eiffel Tower. And like, <laughs> running around. Come on, man. We, a fake proposal. We, we, I'm a fucking fake. I'm going full. Listen, if, the, if it feels right, Amelia, I'm going all in, baby. We listen. Come on, man. Get in the box. But, um. We definitely, if it's 12 hours, like it's a decent amount of time. But like you said, Arian, you really got to use your time wisely if you only got 12. And there's so much to see. We got to, we got to work out a plan and we got to get somebody from France. And I don't want to pay a tour guide. I'm talking like a 
a lifter or something <laughs> and be like, all right, let's do this. This is the official call out for anyone listening. Yeah. Here's the thing. We're like two of the King of Lifts podcast hosts too doing this. There'll be KOTL in Paris uh, for one day. But um, I was also going to say, so that's going to happen. And I'm like super like, I'm actually pumped for our vacation before our, like our <laughs> trip before our trip. But um, so that's actually cool. Uh, oh, so when Leah and Jess came to Toronto, this is the craziest shit. Freaking, um, we're, we're like, so we're at an Airbnb and uh, like we all meet up at the gym. We go in Airbnb and we're, we're like, let's walk. We went out for dinner. And then from the dinner spot, we're like, let's walk into town a little bit, get some steps. Like we had a heavy dinner. And Ben Escrow was like, let's, let's go for a walk, man. Let's, let's, you know. So we started walking towards like downtown and we ended up walking like a, a fucking hour, man. It was, I was like, I could get some steps in. I ended up getting like way more steps than I needed. Um, so we're walking right down the CN Tower and we're going to like, we took a bunch of pictures and stuff, but on our way, as we're on the other side of the street, we heard a lady screaming bloody murder, like the craziest I didn't even think it was real at the state. It was, it was like for really real bloody murder. Like, ah, like it was crazy. And it was across the street and me and Ben looked up. Cause I thought it was so crazy. I thought somebody like jumped or a crazy domestic dispute from the building. And I thought when we were coming around the corner, we couldn't see ground level street level yet. Cause there's things in the way we're on the other side. This is like 5 million people live in Toronto and it's up. So the streets in broad daylight are packed, like cars and everything. We're downtown. So you couldn't see the street line. I could just see the building. And I'm thinking, fuck, man, it's going to be, we could see a scene. Like it could be ugly. Like, like if somebody jumped or somebody got pushed or whatever, it was the lady was screaming bloody murder. All right. So as we're getting closer and Ben said, he's like, I was thinking the same thing. I was hesitant. Like, fuck, I don't know if I even want to take a look peeking around the, the cars and trucks. As we get close, some dude is like speed walking, but one of those speed walking where he's trying to not overly uh, stand out, but he's for sure speed walking, but, but you're, you're just like, you're, it's catching you off guard and you're like, what the shit? And then you notice this bloody murder screams are coming from a lady who's like 50 feet back from him. And like, you know, so he's speed walking away from her. And um, he cuts across traffic like like he's on the other side of the street. And then there's another street that he could cross. So he's crossing two different streets now away from us. And he cuts that like he's getting away from something. And that's when you clue in what the fuck happened there. And then we don't know, though. You still don't know. Keep in mind, you're processing this in like a five second span. So you're not double back with your mind within five seconds. It's bloody murder. What the fuck? And then you see that dude speed walking and then cutting across traffic, mid traffic. And you're like, is he getting away? But now he's two lanes away, mid, like downtown Toronto, midday traffic in like a a football field distance or more. Like, you know, and I'm like, oh, like he, he probably stole something or whatever from that lady. Mm. Fucking Leah Bafwa. (laughs) <laughs> Leah Bavla, who I didn't know her mom was like a track athlete and like she comes from this line bolts it across like both intersections like douche douche in is like full steam um like fucking Jamaican track athlete strides <laughs> now 
You understand what I'm saying? Who is Kelly and Fraser Price? <laughs> she's she she's like going at this dude, and I'm put like like at the corner, out your peripheral. She's like like takes off the blocks and starts going towards this dude. And I'm again, this is all happening within five seconds. And that was her five second reaction was I'm cutting across traffic and I'm going at this dude. I don't know if he's got a gun, knife. I don't even like he's she's just on this dude. And I'm like, oh, what is I still don't know what's going on. And um, I, I'm like, fuck, I guess we got to follow suit because if Leah catches up with this guy and it is a tilt, like, I don't, you don't know how this dude's going to react. So I'm like, holy shit. So we have to cut across, tra- like, there's no cross. We're just cutting across traffic. But Leah's adrenaline, I don't know if a car was coming. She was going to fucking hurdle this goddamn thing because, <laughs> but I'm not this athlete that Leah Babble is, man. I'm like, holy fuck, I'm in dress shoes because I wasn't sure what we were doing that Set up excuses. <laughs> Doggy, it is what it is, man. Everyone was in track shoes, but Ryan happened to be in dress Doggy, shoes. I was in dress shoes. They were track shoes. Let me just say that. I wasn't warmed they, up as They were all chilly. warmed up and hydrated. Doggy, they were hydrated as fuck, though, huh? Gatorades and shit. Um, so it's just gonna cross traffic. And um, so I be be Ben and Luke and, and Jess start cutting across the traffic as well. But but Leah's definitely got the head start. And um as we're cutting across traffic and we get through the first intersection, like through the first lane of traffic to the other side, and we still have to go across another one. I look over at Ben. I'm like, um, fucking where's Leah, man? What's going on? He's like, she will, she's going to chase him down. And like, like point blank. He's just like, she's going to chase him down. And I'm like, what do you, I was like, fuck. Okay. So he's, he's like, this is going to happen. This is, this is just, this is just going to happen. We, we are now in a full pursuit of a criminal and, and this is the storyline. And I'm like, how the fuck did this happen? So I guess we're, we're involved and Leah's already gone. Like you like, she's gone, gone. And this dude is looking over her shoulder. Like, where the fuck did these people coming from? So um, she's gone. So we cut across the second lane of traffic as well. And now Leah and this dude are like, like, like too far away for me to necessarily even see what the fuck is going on. I'm like, I don't even know which way Leia went. And, um, and Luke is, he's like a 74 kilo Canadian is, is up there with Leia somewhere, I think. Uh, but you I can't tell. And um, Jess is a lot closer to me. And Jess is like, yeah, I'm going to cut these guys off through these, these like fucking, I don't know, we're going through like buildings in like, and I'm like, so I, I shit you not. My mind frame is, I need to stay closer to Jess so I don't get lost in downtown Toronto because I don't know where I am. Like, like we're cutting through buildings, like, like we're fucking, like we're in an action movie. Like, like, like you know, you know movies where you know movies where you're cutting through like alleyways and running and chasing. Oh, there you're looking through the alleyway and you can see the guy and you're, but you're you're like a block over through the different alleyways and you're trying to cut. Off. We're doing that shit in downtown Toronto, dog. But I'm like. I, these people are leading and I'm struggling behind. Like I'm going to get fucking lost in an alleyway and, and literally be like, I don't know where I am. Out of everyone in the group, you're the one who's getting lost in Toronto, huh? Dude, dude, <laughs> it is a thing. So Jess, I'm behind Jess and um, she's ahead of me, but I'm like within distance, I can see her. And then all of a sudden Jess like kicks into a fucking, she also has a track background. Isn't this great, man? I'm like, I'm like dude, what are we running with? This dude picked the wrong date or muggling. <laughs> So Jess kicks it into overdrive. You can tell when it got kicked up a gear. And um, it's crazy when I watch, because I wasn't close enough to see Leah was gone. But I was behind Jess, 
and she kicked up a gear and I shit you not she fucking was like her legs and arms were pumping and kicking and she went from like reasonably close to me to like a football field away from me in like in like seconds man I'm like holy shit and I'm giving it to try to keep up I'm like oh I was I was like Jess Jess I was gonna tell her like slow down so you don't lose me I'm an old man We'll keep this guy together, man, but relax, man. It's a purse. I lose my wallet like three times a month. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this, this dude is like, holy shit. So, and Jess is giving it. So I give it behind her as well. I'm like, fuck it. Let's, we're all in apparently. And um, the dude happened to have went around the build, like the, the buildings and uh, came across me and Jess. And that's when I'm eye to eye with this cat. And he's like, he, he's a, he's a younger dude. He's like 19, 20, smaller guy. And he was like, he had his hands up and he had nothing. He didn't have the purse anymore. And he's like, I gave him the purse, man. I gave him the purse. He's like, I'm just broke, dude. I'm just broke. And I'm like, all right. Like <laughs> it is dog. I wasn't trying to run you down, but it is what it is. We kinda, this is where we're at. So um, Leah was around the corner. Leah and them were around. I couldn't see a Leah in them, but I like, he didn't have the purse. Right. So, but I could, I'm right there eyeball to eyeball with him. And uh, he looked nervous as shit. Like he could tell like, fuck a gang of motherfuckers, just like jack people just rolled up on me and are like aggressive. Like we're mean mugging because whatever, we don't know what we're going to have to do. So I walk around the corner and uh, to see Leah and see if she's got the purse. Right. And uh, I thought Jess was like behind me walking with me, but Jess like stayed with this cat it is hovering around this dude like he's a gazelle and she's a lion and he's injured and she's like gonna devour this cat. And this dude, like, he's a normal dude, like, he for sure is not an athletic, like, going to the gym. Like, Jess could probably ragdoll this dude. He, he didn't probably, he was like, fuck, I don't want no mess. This day went from bad to like worse. If, if, and I, so I look and Leah, like, shows me the purse, like, we got it, whatever, it's all good, so I'm like, yo, I look back, and Jess is over there, hovering around this cat, I'm like, oh, fuck, man, like, this, you know, I'm like, Jess, we're good, unless you want to, like, hold this guy down until the cops come, which could be, like, you know, considering we already got the purse, I don't know if this is, like, going to be a half-hour voyage of holding this guy on the ground, but uh, for a purse, I mean, shit, man, so she's like, all right, all right, all right, got the purse back, and um, and this dude's probably like, oh man, was that a bad timing? But anyways, I, I figured I heard the perch uh, purse snatch story that Jess would be the one who instigated, but turns out Leah's the one. Dog, she didn't instigate, but I tell you what, she was ready to finish that. Like that, <laughs> like that dude was that dude was just seems like probably, <laughs> Leah probably caught up to him and got the purse. And he was like, I right, F this. And like went around the corner. So you and Jess were like, oh, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, dude. He's like, I already, like he did have that. Like um, you could tell he was like, I, it's, it's, it's over, man. I gave it up. I don't want any trouble. He was talking like that, right? He's like, and he was saying, I'm just broke, man. Like, I don't want, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not looking for any, like I gave it up. And then and, and look around the corner and Leah's got the person. He probably was like, fuck me, guys, don't like, get your adrenaline up and just start roughing me up. Like there was a bar, you know, he was, he would have been bad, but just was ready, but she'd also been robbed a couple of times. So yeah. she's, she's like, this was that's her a, chance. That's what I'm saying. Wherever, wherever Jess is, there seems to be some kind of stolen stuff and her chasing them down. 
dog, if you look at Jess, it's like, this is the wrong one, Playboy. Like, <laughs> you know, like, this is the wrong one, sir. And this dude was not like a, you know, obviously, like, you, you probably he's in downtown Toronto. If he's, you're not, look, you're desperate as shit if you're like robbing purse snatchers. You know, you're probably on drugs. You're in a major city. Like you're, you might live down there somewhere like, and you're just hand to mouth trying to whatever. So meanwhile, Jess is like as fucking A-level athlete, tip of the spear, chase you down and toss you into the side of a building. (laughs) This dude, like she was legit bigger than this dude. And this dude would have been in trouble with just Jess, let alone all of us with our adrenaline going. But it was crazy. Um, and that was fucking yeah, it was such a wild night. Anyways, area, maybe we'll have that in Paris. I, I was like, maybe we need to DM Leah or Jess and be like, hey, can you join us in our layover in Paris? Yeah, us, protect us. Keep us boys safe. Me and Jess were joking around the next day. I was like, I feel so vulnerable after not because we slept in the Airbnb and I never felt so protected. I never felt so safe. Like uh, like I was in, in, in the bear's den and I was one of I was one of Leah's cubs. And she was looking over me. How long was the actual like chase? Like how how long did it take to find him? Uh, I mean, man, Leah was on his ass quick. Like Leah was like, I'm telling you, there was no way I was catching this cat. Like this cat would, none of us were going to. These girls were ready. And she for really real was like in like, um, wearing like running shoes and shit. Like she was ever so ready. Like if we were dressed up, dressed up, it would have been, I was dressed up, dressed up. Okay. That's why I couldn't catch him. Okay. Can I just keep that going? That wasn't hydrated. Okay. It wasn't warmed up. It was cold. There's a lot of factors, but um, the chase itself, it wasn't like, cause you can, w- when people as athletic as Jess and Leah go full tilt sprint and I'm talking I seen full tilt sprint like the her Jess is not a small lady. She's jacked, you know, walking around in the buck seventies and her legs and arms were pumping and she covered like a city block distance in like dog. If she like, if this dude came around the corner and she like just football tackled into him, this dude would have been a like concussion. This dude would be still in the hospital now. He'd be just waking up. He'd be like, what the fuck hit me? Like, so in terms of how, even though we, we covered distance and everything, in terms of how long it lasted, it could have been super long, but it was crazy intense. Like the adrenaline and the, the moment of, holy shit, we covered so much ground so quickly. I don't even know where I am right now, like <laughs> within the city, like I, and we're in between buildings and shit. And it's like, how quickly did we end up here? I got no, like, I fucking no idea. We, we it was crazy. It was good. And people were like in DMs, like this happens in real life. I thought this just happens in movies. Like you witness a, yeah. pur- a purse snatcher. What is, what is a Spider-Man one from like <laughs> 2002? Like, what do you mean you saw a purse snatcher? I paid good money to see the CCTV footage. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just to see Jess like leaving Ryan behind. Talky, yeah. <laughs> you want you all go on without me? I'll watch this corner over here. I, that's what I should have said. I'm like, you know what? When she starts, like the spread starts getting worse and worse. I'm like, you know what? I think I gotta keep back here because if he loops back around, you know what I'm saying? It's like I'll, I'll go find the lady. Tell her we're on. <laughs> I'll be like, let's. I, I go good, good. Let's spread out. That's the plan, then, huh? Let's spread out. Let's let's cover more ground. Let's I got this bench over here. That's you guys. Right. 
<laughs> That's right. I'm going to double back in. If he doubles back, oh, he's in trouble. But um, yeah, fuck, that was wild. But and everybody's all in the DMs and, and, and sharing the stories. Yeah, it was. Um, and you were hanging out with us and Jess and Lee. It was crazy how last world we ended up like form like a little bit of a click. <laughs> and, and it, was, we took, it was a good time. And we took that um, the infamous picture with all of us like stammered down with the gun. Oh, she was in that one. She's in that one. Amelia was like there. a little floating head. <laughs> I'm only little. So. <laughs> That's right. It was a uh, yeah. That was wild times. So. Um, are you, what's, what's on the docket for you in 2022 in terms of competitions and whatnot? Um, well, we've had, we had nationals a few weeks back. Um, obviously our men's and women's ones have split now. Uh, we've got all England's coming up junior nationals, uh, which I'm really excited for coming up in a few weeks. Cause you know, some of the juniors out here are hitting some crazy things. Um, some of my own athletes competing, you know, it feels like every weekend, but a different country. So I can't, can't always be there. Um, but yeah, there's loads of competitions and I like to get to as many as I can, even if I don't have athletes competing, it's just good vibes. You know, let's talk about like, cause it's interesting, right? Like I, I'm super into reading autobiographies of athletes, but I've, and obviously had tons of athletes come on the podcast and I could tell you straight up, like um, the biggest of names, like I remember Steffi Cohen on the podcast and Steffi Cohen bombed out a competition, maybe two and had another competition where she'd missed a bunch of lifts. And it, she said, like, it started getting in my head. And um, she went to a sports psychologist and said it worked wonders for her just to calm it down and remember the cues. And then, um, and that's Steffi Cohen. And then she ended up like just murdering it and doing like, you know, millions of however many world records she broke. And then, um, also, Mark, uh, frick, I forget his last name. He's a 120 in Belarus. He won Junior Worlds. Do you remember his name, uh, Arian? No, I don't know who you're talking about. Crap. Mark McQueen. I'm making that up. I think it's Mark McQueen. But um, he went to a sports psychologist as well. And he said, dealing with an injury. And um, he went to a sports psychologist and, and I don't know if this, like you get into what you do this, I'm sure there's like a spectrum of different services, but he said he, he actually like laid down and the guy was talking to him and then he thought he like fell asleep and then he woke up and, uh, and the guy was, and he was like, the, the sports psychologist was like, yeah, our session's over. And he's like, did I just fall asleep on you? And he's like, no. And he's like, I didn't. He's like, no. And then he left and the guy goes, um, he said it was the injury when it came time for worlds, he'd started believing like the guy told him, um, I want you to start picturing like this imagery and certain words to bring you back to, um, you know, feeling strong, et cetera, like keywords and whatnot. And, uh, he said it fucking absolutely 100% worked. And, um, I read like autobiographies, like Randy Couture, who's like an MMA guy. And he said like the mind body connection in terms of, he went to like a, a sports psychologist, like a seminar. And the guy's like, if I tell you to picture a lemon, you picture this lemon, you picture every contour of this lemon. And I start cutting into this lemon and I'm talking to you about it. Your mouth starts watering. That's a physical reaction to an imagery. That's just the smallest of, you know, easy little inputs, but it happens, you know, and, um, and that's, and then it goes on from there. So anyways, 
it's interesting. And I could go on and on about it, but I was like, fucking let's, let's talk about it because you like, it's a piece that I don't think people fully dive into. Yeah. And it is absolutely nuts. How, how much difference the mind makes, how powerful it is. Um, And I think it's a case of kind of having a few core pillars of sports psychology where, you know, that affects people, but the way in which they have to deal with it is very different. And I think that's where people might trip up sometimes is where they see some athletes dealing with it in a certain way, the same way as that, you know, someone posts their, what I eat in a day and someone tries to replicate that and it, you know, doesn't work the same way. It's all very individualistic and, you know, what, works for somebody for the same problem you know may cause more problems may just not do anything at all and I think that's where a lot of difficulty comes in because it absolutely is starting to become more prevalent in um in powerlifting but in all sports in general but I think the full understanding of kind of the subject isn't there and I I, I don't suggest any everyone has to work with a sports psychologist but to educate yourself within within the topic I think is a really good idea just the same way as you know you might read around nutrition or have an idea about your macros just knowing yourself as an athlete a little bit more and how you kind of run cognitively and emotionally and behaviorally it's it's you're it's true that like you could read memes and be like all right cool I should do that like the (laughs) but just like you said where it's like yeah well maybe like it, it might not it just might not do anything for you though. Like, like, do you, is that what you need? Or, you know, so yeah, I guess you, you would have to reach out. When, when do you think, like, should everybody at least touch base on it or um, in terms of sports psychology, what are your thoughts on that? I think, I mean, the psych, the psyche is obviously prevalent in every single person, but I've definitely worked with athletes who, need the external support from it more than others some people do generally just have a really good sense of self and you know what works for them and how to handle their own thoughts and emotions and sometimes it comes more naturally to people um sometimes people need the help in whatever way that comes but I don't think it ever hurts to learn more or speak to somebody about it um it definitely is kind of a sliding scale of how much it helps people but I think it's definitely beneficial to everybody. They say all of us should be like talking to a psychologist period anyways. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, psychologists, psychologists in general, it's my job. I can't say the word um, psychologists in general. Um, absolutely. And what I do love about kind of, you know, organizational psychology, sports psychology, educational psychology, kind of all the different areas that there, there are, is that there is always going to be this overlap and this transferable skill you can take to everyday life or, you know, another part of your life. I've worked with people who kind of took on board an activity or intervention we were doing, kind of said, oh, I actually did this in in my real life or, you know, my day-to-day life. Mm. And um, it was really helping me in this and in that. And, you know, it's nice to kind of see that transferable skill because it's not just, taking oh I'm going to do this when I'm lifting and it will help me push myself it's I'm learning this skill which is going to help me grow and learn more about myself um which can often sound 
you know, kind of cheesy, kind of cliche, um, which I'm always really conscious of when I speak to athletes, especially new athletes, where I'm like, this is going to sound really cheesy and really cliche, but, you know, it's cliche for a reason, I guess, because it works. Well, uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, that's what, that's what, how things become cliche because it's said so often, but usually it's true. And when people come into a sport, whether it's as an athlete, coach or whatever, like, you know, the, well, let's talk about cliche, the expression, sports don't build character. They reveal it. I don't know if I agree with that. Like I do and I don't, but let's just take it for what it is on the surface. And then we could dive into dissect it a, a little more in a second. But in terms of revealing character, if you have a propensity to check out, quit when things aren't going your way, um, it's probably not just the sport itself. You probably have been dealing with this. Like, like Jen, Jennifer Milliken, multiple-time world champion, uh, won best lifter 2017 Belarus World Championships. She was on the podcast. She was talking about how her whole life previously, she took everything personally. In, 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 like in this, so this was her in life. She said, um, you know, if, if you made a post, and it's a generalized post, but it was talking about like people who do this, you got to stop. She would personalize it and be like, fucking like feel triggered. Maybe, you know, like that was, that was on me. Or if you just general things could be taken towards her, or she would even say like, you plan a picnic and it's storming out just my luck. No, no, it's not nothing. That's not personal. That's nothing. You know, she would personalize things she said. And, um, and then that can be, be a negative thought pattern, right? And uh, the way also, so then she met her husband who like does not take anything personal. And it becomes like, even if someone straight up will attack you personally, you, you tell yourself, but you're projecting onto me some shit that's going on with you though, huh? Like that's not, you don't even really know me, know me, especially with social media. You're dealing with something and it's making you lash out. I wish peace upon you, but even if they're coming at you, it's don't take it personal. So there's opposites where it's like, I could take things personal. That's not even personal. You could just like not give me enough attention. I'll be, I just took that personal, you know, like there are people who personalize everything. And then other people who are like, don't take anything personal. You'd be like, yeah, even if you come at me, it's like something going on with you, man. And, and I hope the best for you. So the, there's like the two sides. Of it. And Jen said, once she recognized that, it doesn't just like flip a switch um, to start applying it to everything in life. It's difficult, especially if your mind was a certain way for so long. But once you just recognize that, you start approaching things differently. So then as an athlete, that's really where, because she had a massive jump. And that's when she said things started turning for her where it's like, again, you have a bad day. It's not fucking, here we go. This is what I thought. Like all of a sudden it's personal night. Maybe you just didn't sleep well. Maybe you didn't, whatever. It's all perspective, you know, competition, yeah. whatever. And once you start changing the way you think about things, yeah, it's cheesy. Like it affects your real life, but that is, you probably have to dive into that. You probably have yeah. to like, why do you think this way? Why are you bringing this into the sport? Why are you bringing this outlook into the, into your competition? You yeah. probably need to dive into stuff like that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, why is a really good question even on repeat I think finding people's whys for a lot of things um I find with situations like you just kind of went through is hugely an element of understanding control 
mm. and what isn't, isn't in your control. And, you know, as humans, uh, we innately just love knowing that we control things and that we can do things and it's in our power. And as soon as we feel like there's an external variable that we can't control and it led to something happening that was maybe bad, that it builds this kind of frustration that you feel like you should have been able to control it. So even being able to understand and separate, okay, that was out of my control and being able to relinquish that and then going, okay, that was in my control. So how can I change that moving forwards? Even if it is, like you said, a response and go, okay, well, you know, moving forwards, I know that whatever someone's saying to me, that's just them projecting and how I react is up to me. Um, And knowing that's in your control is such a small thing. But once you start thinking in a way of, not all the time, but, you know, a bit of black and white where I can control this. So what can I do moving forwards to help myself? Or I can't control this. So, you know, what can I do for myself to, you know, relinquish that frustration from that and realise, you know, actually that that wasn't on me. That's not my fault. And that's where a lot of the frustrations and the guilt and, the, you know, the emotions come from where they feel like, you know, if, Let's say an example I actually give to athletes a lot because it's stupid and makes them laugh is, you know, imagine you're you're doing a bench um, session and you you see someone in the gym. And you're like, oh, yeah, then give me a hand out. And then you're doing like a tempo bench and they didn't know that. And you're bringing it up slowly and they're like, oh, no. And, they, you know, they take it off of you and you're like, oh, that would have been a you know a tempo BB or, or whatever, whatever it was. And, you know, realizing, OK they didn't know that like that that wasn't on me they they took the they took the bar off me and there's there's ways that people bend over backwards and they're like oh if I was more explicit with the way I told them or you know if it was a Tuesday and this person was training you know you you'll try and find reasons to make it seem like it was in your control and Mm. you know being able to relinquish that because you know when you par logic and emotion up together on the subconscious level emotion will almost always win because it is that kind of full body this is what I'm feeling and it doesn't let you often see past that you know face value of thought so you're not like okay why am I feeling like this you know what can I control whereas if you do actually go actually no okay what am I feeling right now is that in my control is that in my control what can I learn from this you're able to push past that face value and kind of not get rid of emotions because we never want to do that but push past it and kind of build the logic to make it a learning experience. It's, it's, um, here's, here's the thing. Like people think you go to like a a psychologist of any, any type and you think like, I'll be cured and this, these patterns will no longer happen. When in reality, the, a closer way of, of probably a more realistic goal would be, you'll just identify when you're doing it and the thoughts will come like the negative thoughts, the anxiety, the whatever, but you can identify, at least identify, like you just said, okay, is this in my control? And it's okay, the thought came, and I got some feelings attached to it, but identify if it is or isn't. And that's the first step, man, is just knowing it's, I'm doing it again. Yeah, you know? and that's actually, that's actually an amazing point because that is something I really try and you know tell people is that it's okay if these behaviors or patterns of thoughts come back don't let that fill you with guilt use it as a reminder as a cue to be like okay I'm thinking this but I know what to do now so 
now it's like oh okay I'm gonna do this exercise or I'm gonna do this thought pattern or you know whatever it is that you've been working on it's not a oh I'm reverting in back into my old ways and my old habits it's okay you know I've caught that thought and I've caught that behavior so let's move on from it now like let it just remind you and you know pin you back into focus rather than causing you to go oh you know I've, I'm not growing uh, going to this right. slump and like progress isn't linear in, in any form it's um that that's exactly it is people think like once I do this and I do like a year or two years of therapy the thoughts don't come no no it's how you react when they do it's far mm-hmm. more realistic like George St. Pierre is an MMA fighter an all-time great he had massive anxiety towards fighting which is crazy because he's like the, one of the greatest of all time. And as a contender on the way up, he had such massive anxiety and, and the thoughts would come leading into the competition. The closer the competition came, the more that just couldn't help it. He couldn't sleep. But one time leading to his first title fight, he didn't sleep for two days. He's like, I might've got catnaps here and there, but I legit just didn't sleep. And uh, because thoughts would come. And if when I pictured the fight, I'm, I'm getting knocked out. I'm getting submitted. I'm getting like, I, it, and like I'm answering to the fans that believe in me or, or just whatever. And um, so he started seeing sports psychologists and started working on things and started recognizing when the thoughts come, the thought comes and you recognize it. And then now you could change how that story ends in your head. You could d- realize like, it's just a recognition of, okay, this is outside of my control. Um, what's in my control already? It's a negative thought. Let me just, I have to, negative thought came, can't do nothing about it. It already, it's already here, but now I add on a positive thought onto it. Let's balance it up. Let's do something. Let's do some counterbalancing. You probably have some tactics as well when these negative thoughts come. Uh, but, and before I ask you some of those, I'll just, with the George St. Pierre thing, then later on, the person that he was on the podcast talking about this, and this is after his career is over, they're like, oh, so when did the, the when did you turn that corner? And um, the negative thoughts stop. The negative thoughts stop coming. And George said, "Never. No, it always. I I just knew what to do when they came. It doesn't just stop. The struggle. This is life. You yeah. never reach a level of life where it's like got it all figured out. Negative thoughts don't come anymore. It's all. It's all. <laughs> it's all sunshine. Like no, you just gain experience on what to do when they come, and you know, yeah. like this is all part of it. You he goes. You start actually accepting." This is part of it. As a matter of fact, that anxiety, when I'm in the cage fighting, I'm so anxious and cued in on point. Um, you know, when you're like anxious, you notice everything. You're like hyper-focusing. He's like, man, I could tell if you could drop your shoulder to throw a jab, I fucking notice the drop of that shoulder. Like, cause I am so high strong. <laughs> He's like, it, Mike Tyson talks about fear can be your friend, man. It can make you sharp. It'll yeah. make you work harder. It'll make you tentative. It's not all bad. You just get used to it and your reaction to fear and your reaction to it is what you have control over. You might not be able to control these thoughts when they come or how you feel, but your reaction to it, you, you could be like, it's okay. Don't freak out. I've been here before and it worked out when these thoughts came and I could, you know what I mean? There's things you can control and things you can't. Yeah. And I think you said it beautifully there where it's, it's, anxiety fear negative emotions are going to be part of life and it's it's not a bad thing it's kind of you know when it's dark out you can see the stars it it creates that balanced and you're able to 
you know appreciate the positive more than the negative and all of that but arouse like negative arousal or arousal of any sort isn't a bad thing it's needed it's needed for that sliding scale and to be able to manipulate it and use it rather than trying to pretend it's not there mm. like you were saying and I think that's a mistake a lot of people try and made and try and make and I know that's something and a mistake I've made a lot in my past um you know in sports that I've played which is when those negative thoughts come through or something like bad bad negative visualization comes into your head is going okay I'm just trying to clear my head and I'm going to get rid of them because that's like saying don't think of the purple hippo and it's like oh I can well I can think now it's a purple hippo right yeah. <laughs> that just worked on me by the way uh, I'm very susceptible <laughs> <laughs> is it pretty yeah. oh my god now it is um, stop <laughs> <laughs> it works but by saying kind of okay well I'm just not going to think about it you know let's have a clear mind like a clear headspace you know you're you're kind of giving more room to that thought that you've already got because you're trying so hard to not think of anything that you're like I can't think of anything else to think of except except that and where you want to go rather than okay I'm just going to try and get out of my head is like we said use it as a cue I've had that negative thought and fill it with you know a positive focus an internal focus an external focus but something that can you know bring you back to that flow state and go okay I've had that negative thought now I know I need to sharp up and like get focused and if anything it can be a really really positive thing because it does help you switch on because you're aware that you let your focus drift a little bit because that negative thought came in and you can snap back right into it so I think it can be a a huge positive it's um you know first when you're you're 100% there it's one thing I hear people doing is trying to pretend they don't feel like the reaction is I'm going to ignore it and pretend it's not even there. Like nah, I, I'm, I'm a fucking monster. I'm a robot. When I go in there, it's like, unless you're a psychopath, you got feelings, dog, They're like, stop, please stop. Right. But like I, when you're in the middle of it, I, I understand sometimes you gotta, you gotta fake it till you make it. Like George St. Pierre also talks about that. He's like, you just walk in there and, and like you're playing a role or a character. You're just doing your thing. Got you. But when it's all said and done and you look back, you know damn well you felt those feelings. All it means is um, it meant something. Like the moment you're in, you care about the outcome. And the more you care, the more anxiety you'll have about it going well, regardless, in life. Yeah. That's all that means. So when, when the fear comes and the anxiety comes, you just know like, I'm in a moment. That's a good thing. Yeah. I care about this. Like this is actually... I chase moments. I'm, I, this is good. I feel fear and I feel anxiety, but I just fucking entered a moment, didn't I? And you recognize that and you start telling yourself, like, good, man. Now, what are we going to do now? You know, you can't, yeah. avoid, you can't avoid these moments. And um, I was reading a, a book. It's called A Fighter's Mind, but it, it doesn't, a guy wrote a book and he interviewed, it was, he didn't interview just fighters. He wrote, or sorry, he interviewed um, individual athletes from multiple different sports, including endurance sports, because the saying fatigue makes cowards of us all is very, very true. You could be tough as iron, but if you get super fatigued on any levels, now you're going to start seeing what you're made of, right? And um, when he's talking to Randy Couture, Randy Couture said, leading into a big match, a big fight, a big whatever, he's a wrestler as well. 
he was like, uh, I would start feeling those feelings come and that's fine. And if they didn't come, I'd be worried because obviously I didn't care anymore. And he said, um, it's just when you feel it, he said, anxiety and excitement can feel very, very similar, very similar. So he's like, I stop putting negative connotations because their feelings are going to come. It will never be like, well, eventually they, I stop feeling this way. No, you will, but your reaction to it. So he would say, if someone's like, how did you sleep? I'd be like, I didn't sleep last night, but, and they'd be like, are you nervous? And he's like, no, I'm just really excited. Just stop talking like negative. No, it's good. No, it's good. Cause last time I won, I didn't sleep either. This is good. It's fine. It's yeah. good. Stop the negative. Oh my God. Cause it gets worse and worse. I, I, you didn't eat much. Are you nervous? You got butterflies. I'm excited, man. I don't eat a lot yeah. when I'm excited. I don't eat when I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. And like, you know, you start putting positive things like that, as opposed to talking negative talk, fuck man, it starts piling up, you know? Yeah. And I think with, with what you're saying there as well is, is a fact that I really like is the going to like biology now the chemical release in your body for anxiety and fear and everything like that is more or less the same as it is for excitement you know it's the the release of adrenaline and so what you're saying that it feels the same it it almost biologically is the same as well and you know having that negative self-talk and positive self-talk can ultimately when you get to the day be one of the deciders because you've done all the training you've done kind of the nutrition leading up to it you've done everything you can do on the lead up and I try and you know say this to people that the performance you have on the day in terms of physicalities has has been decided the strength you have today is the strength you have today you know between the start and the finish it's going to be a mental battle and it's just how well we can handle that because as soon as you get to comp day everything else has already been done you put the hard work in and usually mentally as well, but it's a case of just maintaining that. You're not suddenly going to go and fail to pick up the bar or just like it's something like that. The strength is there. It's kind of the mental fortitude that that needs to be kept and worked on. And the only thing, you know, that is really going to make a difference on that day, bar, you know, some, some freak things that might happen. But Right. No, it's once you hear bar is loaded, However, like your training's done, your weight cut and recomp, everything's done. Once you hear bars loaded, um, that's that, man. You, the only thing you have now is just to execute. So you got to, and, and, and you will feel nervousness. You will feel and your adrenaline, which you need. Like we all know, like there's a reason why, you know, the animals in the wild start hitting top speeds when they're being chased because the adrenaline enters the body. You need that. And, and believe me, I'm sure they're running, they're legitimately running for their life. So it doesn't feel good, but athletically they hit their, they hit their peak, right? <laughs> they, they fucking full on Jessica Bittner. Okay. <laughs> this is, this is, listen, if Jessica Bittner can harness chasing that dude and there's an exercise she can maybe for her last deadlift, that deadlift's flying. I'm telling you right now, but, um, but yeah, mining your, your mental P's and Q's once you hear the bar is loaded is huge. Um, also another thing. So, uh, in that, in that book, he was interviewing, um, uh, ultra marathon athlete. And this is, so this will go to a little bit of mind body. 
And this is where things can get interesting. So the ultimate marathon athlete, it's a total different, it's different sport, but it's still, I love the psychology of it. And you could apply to maybe not the day of, but during prep for power lifters, like the day of got you in terms of like uh, an endurance athlete, we, we are, we're the furthest from it. It's one rep. But in ter- when you look at the amount of volume, some of these people, I was talking about escrow on the weekend when he's down before we we're saving lives, stopping crime. Um, and he was saying that uh, Taylor Atwood, he can do up to a hundred thousand pounds of volume in a week, you know, so very much that's endurance athlete style uh, training, even though we're, we're going to end up doing like a single lift. And the guy was saying the ultra marathon um, athlete who was a legend, the guy was asking a bunch of questions about like how he deals with injury and how he deals with like when you're completely run down and fatigued and you want to give in. And he goes, here's a couple of things that I would, I would post to you. And he told a story about, um, he was one time in an ultra marathon. Now, anyone listening, an ultra marathon is you run a marathon a day for up to four weeks, like a marathon a day. You ran a marathon one time. That's cute. That's, that's cute. Um, but uh, what'd you do after? It's called disco dancing. Cause this homeboy is like, come on, man. So a marathon a day for a string of days. And he said in week two, he started urinating blood. All right. And um, you start having self speak when this happens, you're like, if this is week two and I have, four weeks. What does week three look like? What does week four look like if I'm urinating blood in week two? And then he said, um, and things got worse and things got worse. And and the interviewer is like, so what happened week three? What happened week four? And he's like, by week four, I was back to not, I wasn't urinating blood. I was back to normal and I was, and it got better. And he said, um, then he gave another story. There was a guy who, who, by the time he crossed the finish line, he's like, I'm just, I had, at one point for a few days there, I had a really bad pain in my ankle. And they checked him out and he had a sprain fracture in his ankle that had healed during the fucking four weeks because he, he never stopped and it healed itself although we kept running marathons every day. And um, the guy said, the takeaway is this will pass and it doesn't always get worse. Yeah. Two key things. What you're feeling, yes, it will pass. The pain, the fatigue, the stress, it's not going to last. It's going to be a way. And it doesn't always get worse despite all means, but how this is week two and week four, how can it get better? It, it doesn't get worse all the time. It just does sometimes. Yeah. And I actually, I, I have a ring in it with an inscribed inside says this too shall pass. Cause it's something my mom said to me since I was little. Um, and I think it's a, re- a really good phrase to live by, but something that, and I'm not going to talk from a biological point of view right now because I'm not a doctor and this is not accurate. Um, so just a disclaimer, but... Me neither, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> In case you were wondering. Just, no one here is, is a doctor <laughs> that I know of. Um, but yeah, something that personally I, I have 
taught myself I suppose mentally when I'm going through you know pain or fatigue of some some sorts um is I kind of use some self-talk and remind myself what pain is like even from an evolutionary point of view it's a way of your body telling you might be in danger and something might be wrong and it's me reminding myself that's what pain is and that I'm safe and that everything is fine so you know my body's doing its job trying to tell me that something might be wrong and you know when I know something's not wrong I tell myself you know I'm I'm safe and my body's just doing its job and it really it really obviously doesn't magically heal me um but it does actually for me reduce my at least my perception of the pain because you know I'm I'm really thinking about what is happening and being very self-aware and like like we speaking about earlier changing my reaction and my perception of of the situation which I feel can can have a huge effect it's it's a lot about self-awareness and Mm. you know sometimes just speaking a little bit of logic into the situation sometimes knowing in black and white what's happening can be super helpful in chosen situations it's um like when you're in training uh if you start feeling some pains exactly what you say it's a signal like hey we might have an issue in this region and I'm going to shoot some pain in that region for you. You know what I mean? Like, so you pay attention, you, you maybe get this checked out, but it is also psychologically important to be like, all right, I get this checked out. Maybe I got to work around some things, but again, like staying positive, like it doesn't necessarily mean like it, it, it all comes back to that negative talk where sometimes we've all been there where it's like, ah, uh, here we go. Well, there it is. There's the pain. Yeah. I'm going to be injured again. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. It's like, be easy. You got a warning, check it out. Let's see what happens. Right. Like, like it's don't blow it up in your head. You start only experience can really give you that, but it is. Um, and then during an actual competition, it's a, uh, there's, there's this expression. I think it was Matt Frazier. Who's like a CrossFit games athlete. Yeah. And he said, um, I think it was him. Or maybe it was that other dude who's in a Netflix special, Frotch, whatever. Rich Froning. Froning. There it is. I got close. You guys help me out here. Good. CrossFit, CrossFit team in it. Um, who was like, in training, listen to your body. In competition, you tell your body to shut the fuck up. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you're stuck at a moment. What are you going to do? You got to try to push through it. Um, in terms of like choosing these things into going this sports path, what made you want to work with athletes? Yes. I kind of always knew that I want to work with people. I didn't really see myself in like a, a nine to five office sort of job. Um, I wanted interaction and, you know, I, I studied psychology at school and then went and did it at university and I knew I wanted to do a master's Um and I knew I wanted it in a branch of psychology. And I was speaking um, to some people and I played sports growing up and always had this drive and ambition to kind of be the best, even if I wasn't always the best. And, you know, that drive to kind of work towards it. And that always really interested me. And someone was like, well, why don't you just combine them? Why don't, you know, you're passionate about psychology, you're passionate about, about, about sport. Why isn't that something you kind of work towards? And I was like, I can't, you know, it's a, 
I love sport, it's a hobby, but you know, I can't, can't make that work. And they're like, why? Why can't you? And I was like, that's a, that's a fairly good argument. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you got called out. You're like, you, you got me. <laughs> yeah, I don't got an answer. <laughs> it wasn't very articulate, but it was fair enough. Um, so, you know, I, I looked into it and did my master's in sport and exercise psychology, um, which is really good. We got some practice in the field and, you know, got to work with athletes there. And that's kind of where I made my decision to work with individual athletes rather than teams. Um, I think there's not been as much attention for individual athletes as there have been for teams in sports psychology um, where, you know, individual athletes generally have, in, in my opinion at least, more to deal with in terms of kind of the sports psychology side of things. They don't have that cohesion from a team or, you know, people to bounce off of and, you know, to share with, um, you know, just that general environment, I think it, it puts all the pressure on them. Whereas in a team, you can, there's not always someone to blame, but there's always other people who you feel like it could be shared with. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there's actually, my masters and the strength and conditioning masters were like buddy courses. We didn't have any lectures together, except I think advanced statistics, which was terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm not a number person. Um, <laughs> and there was just a group of us that, you know, went to the gym and things like that. And I think a couple of them were interested in powerlifting. And that was kind of my introduction to it. Um, and then since then, um, I've been really lucky to, you know, work with athletes. And I mean, that was years ago, but work with athletes. And not, not that I'm that old. <laughs> but I was going to say, come on. Can't it, was a, it was a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a good cream. Um <laughs> <laughs> you got a promo code for cream i'm gonna sell later yeah. <laughs> pots 10 um but yeah and i i kind of I, i've worked with athletes and i still work with athletes from different sports um but 90 percent of my roster is is when powerlifting or strength sports and you know it's really something that i've learned to love and enjoy and i I feel very passionate about um I enjoy working with athletes from every sport but I do feel kind of somewhat somewhat more understanding of of powerlifters because you know I train I can kind of go to comp see in their world whereas it's harder sometimes to put yourself in the shoes of an athlete in a sport that maybe you've not participated in um and it doesn't make me you know any worse at, at working with them but it does I do definitely like to try and relate in that sense. So I've, I've worked with, you know, a handful, well, a, a bunch of powerlifters and loved it and kind of, I want to say specialised because I still work with athletes from different sports, but it, it's definitely where a lot of my work is in. And, you know, I, I obviously got the pleasure to meet you and go out to uh, Worlds last year and Euros and, you know meet people around there um and it's just been great yeah I it's not a huge sport which I think I like um and I love I love kind of seeing seeing it grow and being part of that hopefully um and I think that's that's something that I quite quite like about being part of it like being part of of the growth of the sport and hopefully seeing it kind of get bigger and bigger when we look at like strength athletes particularly powerlifters 
when, when you think about a powerlifting athlete and a person who chooses that pursuit, a, like they're, you, yeah, it, it's a sport where you take the actual playing time and you're, you're on your own. When the bar is loaded and the clock starts, the actual play time clock starts, you're alone. I got it. You got a team in the back, but the actual on the platform play is only one individual. Um, so an individual who chooses a sport like that, kind of want to talk about the mental mind frame difference between that individual and maybe someone who's in a, a team sport, but also in terms of the mental makeup, this is a person who chose to get stronger. There's something about someone who chooses a strength pursuit. Um, and I'm wondering if there's like commonality because sometimes you meet powerlifters around the world and you got like from full on meatheads to full on intellectual nerds to it's weird. But they all decided, I want to be stronger, physically a stronger human being. And uh, the confidence level that rises with being physically stronger, like from when you enter a room to everything, like you could see it change in people. And then, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, have you noticed, are there common traits or are there like, is it too difficult to draw too many conclusions? Cause you're like, man, I don't know. I've seen too many different types of people enter this sport. I've seen so much. Right. Um, <laughs> um, there's definitely, you know, there are definitely similarities in some areas. Um, there are definitely a lot of differences as well, but I think something that ties a lot of people together who do, you know, end up choosing a strength sport like powerlifting um, even if they've done kind of team sports before, is that motivation to grow. And it, it really is a motivation because, you know, unlike maybe football or soccer or, you know, uh, rugby, um, there's something that you have to do a few times a week that's the same over and over and over. And it, to some people, may, may be mundane because you're doing the same thing over and over to eventually just add some more weight to it and Mm. that may not be for everybody because they might not be able to kind of stick to that and you know find motivation out of that with team sport there's a lot of variety with you know the social aspect of it where you can kind of build that cohesion and no one training session is the same because you know your teammates are there and you're doing different drills and things like that and obviously you know that is a benefit to some in terms of kind of having that those teammates to bounce off of but everyone that or most people that I've spoken to that end up in strength sports have this real drive and ambition and motivation because they've chosen to continuously work on themselves and to choose that every day um because you know to build that growth and to continue there has to be this huge level of commitment where yeah I'm going to go to the gym x times a week and I'm going to keep pushing myself and like no sessions are really going to be easy and I think there has to be a lot of grit in someone to do that so you know whenever I speak to someone who's in strength sport and powerlifting they're they're so passionate and so motivated because you know that's what it takes I think to to grow in the sport and I think if anything, that's, that's a commonality that I've seen. Yeah, I, that's true. The discipline to do the same thing day in, day out, weeks, months, years, 
And a lot of times you could be by yourself. Like you're right. When you show up to like a football practice and you're running different things and you got like the camaraderie with your team and you're running all these plays and whatnot, that's one thing. And they're different plays. They're different teams you're playing every week, you know, every week. Like you can have like several, if you're baseball, you're playing teams like three games a week. Like, okay, that's easy. That's fun. But compete twice a year, only two times a year. And the rest of the year, you're doing the same fucking thing over and over. It's essentially manual labor. For some people, it would be like a torture. If I'm like, you're going to lift, I'm going to force you to lift this up and down over and over all fucking year. And that's it. (laughs) It's like, what? That is terrible. And it is, uh, when you put it that way, yeah, it would definitely be like just discipline. The discipline and the drive to be like, this is self-improvement though. This is, you know, um, I, I, I watched some like documentaries and you, I saw one on um, Kobe Bryant and he was coming back from a, a massive injury. And the thing like with like certain people, like a Kobe Bryant, like the mamba mentality and everyone talks about him like that. And like, he, like for sure, he, he'd wake up. This one guy who was on his team was like, um, I want to be good like Kobe. So he went down to like the training facility and it was like six o'clock in the morning and Kobe was down there. And he was like, fuck, Kobe's already here. And he's like, got a full sweat the whole night. And he's like, Kobe, when did you get here? And he's like, five. He's like, fuck, I ain't there yet. <laughs> right? He was, and, and then after the game, Kobe missed a couple shots. And he's staying late and he's taking these shots and he's doing his damn thing. So there's things like that in terms of like drive, motivation, discipline. But on the flip side, on the flip side, You've got Kobe who in the same documentary, you hear him being like super egotistical, narcissistic. He's like, I realized at some point I had 11 teammates or whatever. How many teammates, how many people on a basketball team, Arian? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, how many Max they allow? It's like I'm power lifter. Um, <laughs> but uh, people are going to lose their minds when they hear this. But um, uh I was going to make an educated guess. And I was like, if I'm wrong, I sound more stupid. <laughs> that's it. My partner plays basketball. Let, let What's it your be educated on... guess? I said 11. Six. Uh, it, well, there, I mean, there's five that are, you know, playing on the on the uh, court, but then there's all the backups. But it says are limited to 15 players regular season and up to 20 off season. All right. So there we go. Let's say 15. <laughs> Let's say 15. So he's like, I need to make 15 versions of me. And we're going to win this. So I need to level up everyone around me and I need them to be, and, and he wait. Yeah. He's there at five. He's there late, whatever. So he grinds. The thing is the narcissistic side of it is um, kind of like you were saying earlier, not everybody's going to react the same to certain pressures, to certain, like even training, you can overtrain. There is sweet spots. And not only that, you don't have it all figured out, even if you're the best in the world. What works for you doesn't work for everyone. You don't have it all figured out. You can't like, it's not quite like that. But when you listen to him talk, he is like, uh, it's tough, man. It's one of those deals where it, and it, it works back and forth. I read a quote not too long ago saying, be careful when you throw out the negative stuff about you, you don't throw out the best parts about you at the same time. Because you can't do both. When you idolize a Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, 
recognize when you get, if you actually get close to them in their day to day, that shit will be narcissistic, overbearing behavior that will push you away as well. But if you told them, get rid of that way of looking at things, you're going to get rid of the things you admire about them as well. Like it's both humans are so freaking complex. And, um, and that's where, and I was wondering, like, when we're choosing things like choosing sports, choosing athletics, you know, you're working with athletes as opposed to quote unquote, regular people. That's also a decision where like, you're going to meet some interesting people, like regular people. And I say regular, like, you know, they have interesting things as well, but the athletic side of it, they're choosing athletics. And at the tip of the spear, some extremes start popping up. It's like, okay, you're disciplined, but you're fucking crazy disciplined. Like there are people who, you know what I mean? Like you will be like, there are people, yeah, my day to day, I like to get these steps and I like to, but you will be working with the, you know, like extremes, which has got to be, was this part of it where you're like, when I choose athletics, I'm going to be diving into some, some minds, some minds here and see how they operate. I think the first time I was taken aback and realized that was, I think there's been a couple of times like where I was like, oh, you know, they're a bit of a character. Um, if, if even just like in passing, speaking to someone, but I think the first time it really took me aback was when, when like people would get emotional when I spoke to them and, because, you know, it, it, like we were speaking about just then, it, it matters so much more to them than if I was speaking to someone from Gen Pop where, you know, it's, oh, I go to the gym maybe once every couple of weeks, you know. Um, but like, they, they really care. And this is like across loads of sports. And when I think I very first started and I was speaking to people and they, they would speak about it and get emotional, I was, I was like, oh, these people are so passionate. Like they really care like this is you know I'm I'm trying to help them get through stuff that is really important to them and for I think for a short short while I was like oh that's that's a lot of pressure but I was like it's not it's not about me you know it's it's about it's about how kind of they're they're dealing with it and everything like that but I think it was when I started realizing you know in comparison to people on the day-to-day um because I short, for a short time, a very short time, I worked for this um, this company um, and I delivered programs for people who were pre-diabetic. Um, and it was like classes and speeches teaching them about, you know, carbs and things like that. Um, and it was, they were there because their doctor said like, you're, you're almost at this level where you'll get diabetes. And like they didn't, most of them that were there didn't want to be there and they just weren't engaged. And, you know, I think that was a big reason for why I was like, I want to work with people who care. I want to work with people who are there for a reason. Um, and, you know, when working with Gen Pop or people that were referred or had to be there, it was, it was just, they weren't motivated to be there, which made me feel unmotivated because, you know, they didn't want to be there. Right. Yeah. And then working with athletes and seeing how much they cared and how much, and that like stark contra- contrast of how much they wanted to be there. You know, I was like, oh, these people, like 
feel different. <laughs> this is these are the people I want to be around, not not people who are kind of forced to be in a room for their own good. It, it oh, fuck me. It's yeah, it's crazy how unmotivated some people are where it's like man this is your life this is like that's it's it's like frustrating trying to tell somebody like you gotta turn this around you're about to be turning yourself into diabetic this is like all the different health risks the whole nine and they're just like that would cry it would kill me like you can't one thing it's hard to help somebody who doesn't want to be helped yeah or like to try to talk them into something if you're motivated and you step forward, easier to lead someone into the right direction and give them tools because they want your tools. They're like, hand me that shovel, please. You know what? Don't use a shovel, use a spade. And here's why. Thank you, I'll use that. As opposed to somebody's like, nah. you hand yeah. them a spade and they're like, yeah, but this is heavy. It's like, yeah. Start swinging that motherfucker, man, because you, <laughs> you, you need to. Um, and, uh, I, was, I had Gavin Eden on. Were you on the Gavin Eden episode, Arian? Yep. I had Gavin on uh, again, and we were talking about, and this is like, like the beautiful thing with athletes as well, kind of what you were talking about is um, they go all in and they care. And for some people, never in life will they jump in a pursuit where they actually go all in and care, where they're like, I, how, how many people in life will never go all in on something? It, 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 like so many people just go to work, come home, do whatever. And like, I got you. Like you're all in on your kids. That's, I'm not talking about loving somebody. I'm talking about a project, a goal. Your kid isn't a goal. Like, you know, like that. I mean, like for real, setting a goal, short-term goal. And you were so in, you will reorganize your life and go so in on it. Um, you know, it's, it's everything. It's all encompassing. It takes like very few people. It's like a quote that says, what would happen if you chose something and went all in anything school or fucking uh, what you're going to write a book, a movie, or just fucking you went all in, all in everything. No more excuses every day, set across time, research connections. You have to make whatever it is. If I told you if you go all in, let's see what happens. This one time, you fucking dig in your feet and let's go. The, it, some people in their lives never fully dig in like that, whether through discipline, motivation, or just lifestyle, whatever it is. And um, that's something that's beautiful with working with athletes. At the top end, you're dealing with people who have done that. And yeah, it's going to get emotional if they fall short or if they feeling the pressure of holy fuck, I went all in and we're about to go. And now I'm starting to have doubts and like, yeah, but certain people can't relate because they've never done that in life. And that's a beautiful fucking thing to like go all in on anything just to feel it. That's when you're alive, man. Yeah. And the thing is with that as well, I think I was having this conversation with someone the other day is that there's almost a secondhand guilt that, people that don't go all in get where and that's when people start losing friends because they're like oh you know you're too like you're too obsessed with this healthy lifestyle this gym or like you don't drink anymore or whatever whatever it is mm. and you kind of and it's definitely you know happened to me and I'm not you know this top level athlete where I started to dig into my health and I chose my like my health and I chose you know training and nutrition and things like this and 
I saw a bunch of friends drop off because they're like, oh, you know, you're no funny anymore. You don't go out drinking. You don't do this. And it's it's strange. And I had this conversation with a bunch of people where they're like, same, because it's such a weird thing to feel like, you know, it, it's you want to pull back from someone because of. And it really does feel like this secondhand guilt of, you know, this person is passionate about this thing and I, I'm dug their heels in and I, you know, that's that's not me and I, I don't have it. So I don't want to associate with them. And it's kind of finding your tribe through that. The people who have the same mentality and that do stick around and, you know, follow that through is it's very interesting to kind of see who's in that same boat. I think I can hear you breathing, Erin. <laughs> I think I can hear you. Is that you breathing, dog? Not breathing, but I mean, maybe it's the laundry over there. I don't know. I don't, anyways. Um, yeah, we good. <laughs> you know when someone annoys you and you're like, you're breathing too loudly. <laughs> this is my psychology now. Come on. Huh? <laughs> this is me being like. <laughs> but. um, Harry's uh, left now. Yeah, no, I've insulted him. The Paris, <laughs> the whole, the whole Paris trip is over. I just ruined our whole romantic uh, Paris trip. Proposal is off. The proposal is off. Um, but Erin, if you do got questions, my man, I know I'm fucking all over this. But if you got questions I, about it, I know this is your one of your favorite topics. So I was letting you have your moments. Thank you, sir. And, and I mean, you 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 covered some of the questions I had, anyways, about different scenarios. Like, you know, it's it's. Uh, different when people have to travel the worlds, like a lot of things can go wrong as, as Ryan and I have discussed, like with, you know, flights getting delayed or losing your bag or going to a country where you don't speak your language, referees being different and how to deal with all that. So you covered all that. Um, but the other question I was going to ask too, it's a little bit uh, different than what you've been discussing is for a lot of these lifters, you know, maybe top three, four, five in each weight class, they're going to worlds with one goal. They want to win, but there's only going to be one of them that does win. So, I know we can't get into specifics for a specific person, but do you have like any general tips or guidelines like that for people, what to do after they lose? Like they're, they had this goal, like Ryan said, they're all in, this is what they're going after and they don't achieve it. What do they do then to like, you know, get started again? Yeah, I think, I think that's a great question because like you said, there's each, each category, there's only going to be one winner and it is a case of, you know, being able to, accept like you're allowed to be in your emotions you're allowed to accept and be upset that you know this big goal that you had wasn't achieved at this time you're allowed to accept that and kind of have those feelings but it's knowing when to you know put those to bay and go okay let me readjust my goals because ultimately you can have the perfect day and go nine for nine hit pbs hit huge numbers that maybe would have won last year but then somebody else also had the perfect day and they just you know had a few kilos more in the bag and it's knowing that that's nothing on you or your goal ultimately you know your goal can still be attainable it's just going away and readjusting it to something that you know is in reach but also potentially having something that's a goal that's a bit more tangible as well so that moving forwards you know that there's something to work towards that doesn't have to be so black and white even if it's a numerical goal and a non-numerical goal you know okay well I can just continue to better myself and I in this time frame I want to hit these numbers and you know this seems realistic for me um 
and that is still working towards the bigger goal of getting that win but you know maybe having something like in this time I also want to increase my you know arch on bench or whatever it might be and you know breaking that down going okay well you know I'll put these this mobility in and having sets of goals that can kind of touch different points of motivation that big goal whereas okay you know next time I'm going to come back I want to win but in between then and now it's a year I need to work on bettering myself and the best way I can do that is yeah I could work on my numbers that's definitely a good goal to have but you know how can I optimize my performance as an athlete are there any specific things I want to work on oh I want to I normally zoom on I want to get better at conventional in this kind of this gap in this year it's important to have these you know different levels of goals you know short term medium term long term to kind of keep that drive going and even for people who do win you know people who are coming second third fourth you know they're driving and they're pushing to get this number one spot but you know people like Panna, he he's number one and he he's not like slacking or slowing down his training he's mm. continuously trying to grow and better himself because when you get to the top yeah you may not be chasing anyone but you're still trying to beat yourself and I think coming off of a loss it's important to know that you know even if you get to the top you're going to want more and I think it's very much this carrot on the stick syndrome where you know you have this goal which is you know kind of unattainable but also reach and then you kind of you finally get to it and you're like ah you push it away like I want something better right because you know especially in strength sports when you know the the progress you make might be incremental like you're not going to suddenly have like a 100 kilo pb it's going to be like oh i've added 2.5 added five kilos you know and by the time that you've added this got this goal it's been like slow and incremental that you're like oh that that was wasn't satisfying i got 2.5 below that last week so you kind of keep pushing it away and it's important to sound weird but you know when you get to the carrot eat it enjoy it you know accept that you've you've reached that goal and you know try and avoid that carrot and stick kind of situation um I feel like I may not have answered your initial question there Uh, you know Um, what sorry Aaron if you had a follow-up no go ahead um what you said is okay so I don't know if you're familiar with uh Tyson Fury and his story the heavyweight boxing champion Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, actually, he's from the UK. He's, he's massive. He just had a fight in the UK and it was like 90,000 people and it sold out in an hour. Like he is yeah, incredibly huge. So his story, though, it, it's exactly what you just said, where um, sometimes you put so much on your end goal, but you don't realize just like the pen of situation. You tell yourself, when I reach that goal, I'll feel like this. I'll feel like that. I'll feel like the whole nine. Right. But it's listen, when you reach your goal you're not now you're satiated for like a day or two, but you're hungry again. And all of a sudden you're on to the next goal. And that's normal. That's, that's, that's life. And um, Tyson Fury, his situation his he was literally born in 1988 uh, and was named after Mike Tyson, because at the time the heavyweight champion of the world, 1988 was Mike Tyson. And so his name is Tyson Fury and born named after the heavyweight champion of the world and coming from, a boxing family, it was like his destiny to become the heavyweight champion of the world. His whole life was dedicated around this goal. 
if you can imagine a lineage you're named after, your namesake, your heritage, and your whole life's goal is to be something, be the heavyweight champion. So he's chasing this his whole life. And then when he became the heavyweight champion of the world, he was young, rich, famous, woke up the next day and realized the credits don't roll. The music doesn't cue. You feel the exact same way. You need another goal. But he was like, I just hit it. My whole life's work in the realization of it doesn't like all of a sudden your life doesn't feel different. You wake up. It feels the same. What now? It's either emptiness because you don't have that life. You don't have a realize it never ends. People say like when you're in the masters or whatever, you're still doing this. Your life doesn't end. You need goals. And that's when you start realizing it's not the end game. It's having stuff to strive for, having goals, having pursuits, having something to be motivated about. And um, that's really like, it's the, it's the journey, not the destination. I get it's cliche, but you don't understand it. It doesn't mean anything until you've done things like that. And let's take Gavin Aiden for an example. Gavin Aiden wants to be the world champion. I met Gavin in Sweden. Um, he showed up at Powerlifting American Nationals and like, let's, and he's going to South Africa. Let's say Gavin Aiden never becomes world champion and he doesn't hit his goal. Okay. And, and for sure he can, but let's just say, let's say the worst case scenario for him, he doesn't. Are you fucking telling me everything is that guy who for that period of time, like someone could, isn't going to look back and be like, that was such a waste of time. You missed your goal. Oh, what a sad story. He throughout his young twenties had drive, had this mission, had all of this that he put in, met all of these people, traveled the world, all the moments he had, all the people he met, all the connections he made, all the moments he had, all the, like you said, the small wins, you know, count the small wins along the way and all the nights and all the days and all the, all of that, man, is failure because the end goal justified whether or not that was worth it. Nah, man, that's not life. One day at the world's, if he got the gold or not, doesn't say whether or not four years was of a failure or not. Those four years can only be a success. That one day, that's one day out of like a thousand. That's the shittiest of sample sizes to justify. And when you start realizing that you stop feeling sorry for someone who falls short of their goal and start looking at the bigger picture, being like, this kid right now is living life, man. He's going all in and gets to feel that. And he's surrounding himself with people and he has a pursuit. There's so much positive. And now he's going to find out whether he becomes a world champion or not. He knows what happens when he goes all in. He knows what it feels like. He knows, yes, I can hunker down, find that discipline. I can dedicate myself. I can like, I could push through. Like, have you been tested? Oh, love. I've been tested. You know what I mean? Like it's, that's special. And by no means is it, it's all or nothing. I either, I either get the world championship and win and it's all validated or I don't. That's like a, the shittiest way. That's an all in approach of, of looking at it. Maybe during training it helps you motivate, but when it's all said and done, you're looking back, it's like, that was one day though. Huh? You like, yeah. like the world championship. You were there. Amelia, we had a, we had the, <laughs> some stories we can't even tell. 
All right. Some stories we can't even tell on this podcast. All right. So let's not pretend like it's amazing, man. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I actually had a point and that, that completely threw me off. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it, it is amazing. And, you know, arguably it is more challenging sometimes as someone who, you know, is winning by X amount of kilos to keep that motivation, to keep pushing because, they can become complacent. Absolutely. But equally, you know, I'm sure we've all been there where we've been in the gym alone training or doing something and got a PB and you're like, for a second, you're like, oh yeah, I got it. And then, or a PR and you're like, oh yeah. And then the 10 seconds go past and you're, just, you're like, um, I guess I'm going to do my next set. And, <laughs> you know, and, and you feel like you just kind of forget about it really quickly. And it, you know, you're allowed to, go okay I was working for that for ages like I wanted that PR I wanted that PB and and I think the temptation we fall into is to go all right tick on to the next rather than like you said accepting the win you know tell your friends tell your family stand on the turn on the roof and and shout whatever makes you happy but accept that that was something you worked towards and you put graft you put hours into and yeah, you can have another goal and it's important to have a next goal, but you know, you're always going to be left feeling like you want more unless mm-hmm. when you get to those goals and those milestones, you can sit back and go, I worked for that. I got it, you know, and I, I will continue to work, but right now, you know, pat on the back for me, I'm going to eat my carrot. Eat your carrots, man. Eat your carrots. Eat your carrots. Eat I don't think you eat enough carrots, Arian. I'm just being fun to guess out there. It would. Just by looking at me, you're like, this guy doesn't eat enough carrots. They don't go, because <laughs> carrots don't go on pizza. That's why. <laughs> they do not, sir. <laughs> they do not, sir. In um, Sweden, there was loads of pizzas that had bananas. Like The option was like, oh, pizza, this meat, that meat, bananas. And I was like, that doesn't... Sorry to offend anyone that likes bananas and pizza, but, it, you know, that's... I feel like it's more controversial than pineapple i think we should heavily sanction sweden now that's, that's all this that's too much that's psychotic they're like we can't have worlds here anymore let's go to south africa that's it man. Let's, yeah. let's rethink you guys this. have bananas and pizza sweet we can we'll go actually Fine. you know what fuck i wonder if that would taste good did you try it that's your homework you what sorry that's your homework go and that's have some banana head. and a pizza I don't know, like I, because I love bananas and I love pizza. It's this, it's the, um, it's the sweet and and salty. You know what I mean? Like that's together. Oh, it works. Bananas are sweet and salty. Well, the banana's sweet. The pizza's salty. Yeah. And um, and you know what? This this actually ties in nicely with our whole discussion, isn't it? Appreciating <laughs> the sweet and the salty. Look at that. That was nice. Great analogy. Amelia, you're fucking good. <laughs> you, 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 you work that in. Somehow you work that into your speeches and stuff like that. I'd be like, well, it's a lot like when I was in Sweden and I enjoyed a, a pizza with banana. Yeah. Uh, I was actually waiting the entire time to mention banana and pizza. I would have written on 10 notes. <laughs> you're like, I have waited 90 minutes to use this. And here we are. This is, you're like, I stayed up all for night. I stayed up all night looking for my entries and I found it. Um, but yeah, is there so so thinking about like, I mean, we, we've covered a lot of ground here, but what are what do you think are some takeaways athletes need that'll help them succeed? Probably the, the biggest, I think for me, one of the biggest of what we just discussed is understanding because it's a it's a weird balance. 
if you go all in, the danger is it could be honestly could be um, like, like, and I don't want to be hypocritical here because I've saying how beautiful it is to go all in, but also understanding that when you go all in, the ends don't justify the means, which is tough. You're going all in for the ends, but then everything along the way are wins, man. Everything you gained. The, the thing for me would be perspective that by going all in, you're showing up at these events, you're having moments with people, you're meeting people, you're, you're expanding to a point where like if, if Jessica Bittner never went all in, she would be flying all over the fucking world, being sponsored, meeting people that she would never meet from all over the world, having crazy experiences unless she went all in. And that's wins. You know, it's, uh, it's difficult to try to explain, right? Like athletes, but you, but the reason why they show up to that party and those doors open is because they have an all in mentality of like, I'm go, I'm it's all or nothing. So it, it's tough, right? Like if you, you have to like approach it, like this world's championships means everything to me, but on the flip side, you also have to almost prep them to be cool. But if you don't win, realize you've already won as well but you don't want yeah. them to take the foot off the gas in training either. Be like, well, I've already won. So I don't have to, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's so tough. Yeah, absolutely. I think a, a big thing to take away is, you know, be present in, in every moment in the sense that like you were saying, be present in the wins that you get along the way, um, be present on the day, but then, you know, be aware, be present when these negative thoughts come in and mm. be aware of that you can, to to an extent control them understand them and go further than just that initial feeling of that 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 feels terrible or you know that was bad and I think we're often so used to just feeling an emotion and and going that's how I feel and being present being aware and going okay let's let's unpack this you know and understand what I can take what I can learn what I can control um, from this I think you know is a is a good step moving forwards um and also on the on the Jess on topic of Jess I'm just going to call her out right here because (laughs) as an English person we just had this discussion at Worlds we had um she mentioned that at work she when she makes tea she microwaves her water to get it hot and I didn't know this was a thing and apparently it is in North America um, and as a British person, obviously, I was very upset by horrified. You know, I was tea is sacred, <laughs> and and so now every so often she she will send me either a picture or a message like, just thought I'd let you know I uh, I've recently microwaved some water, <laughs> and I'm like Jess, please. You're like I would like to issue sanctions on Canada now. Yeah, I don't. Their athletes get out of the worlds. Listen, I don't want to lose our friendship here, but I've done it. And I, I, hope don't, I was going to say, I microwave water too. I think it's a normal thing here. I it was that's what I've learned that apparently it's it's far more common than I realized. Like, do you guys not have kettles? Amelia goes in all my years of psychology. This is the most frightening thing I found out about humans. It's pretty terrifying. It's, it's, <laughs> we, we do we do have kettles and stovetops, but I think it's easier still to just pour water in a glass, throw it in the microwave for like a minute or two, and let it heat up. It's lack of discipline, is what it is. It feels Sloppy. like to me, it feels as like uncomfortable as cooking chicken in the microwave. That I would okay. So I'll defrost and actually cook it. Cook it. 
Uh, but yeah, I don't. I mean, can, fuck, what, are there psychopaths cooking chicken in a microwave straight well, from frozen to done and eating it? What kind of a I, psychopath is that? There probably well, is. That's how I feel about the kettle and the, the water. Oh my god! But, really? but like the water's it's not going to kill. Not gonna, the so water's strong. not going to get me sick. Amelia's like, listen to me, you sick fucks. <laughs> I would love if all of a sudden you got. I don't care how many purse catches you catch. Yeah, you're like, it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. Two wrongs you, don't make you, it right. You're like, if that lady was going to die and you saved her life, all right, well, I'll look the other way. But saving your purse doesn't make it right. It's, it's not enough. <laughs> and then um, going like, oh, guys, should we go relax and microwave some water for, for our tea? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I didn't right. realize it was that strong. Well, there's cultural divide amongst us. I can only speak for myself. Well, but I, can... I was, I think I was taken aback more than horrified. And then the, the disdain has grown between microwave water. <laughs> you're, you're she's like, like there's, she's like, there's psychopaths and powerlifting, and it's the people who microwave the water. Yeah, I'm calling she's you like, all out right she's now. She's analyzed the stall. <laughs> she's like, look it, I heard the story. I had some negative thoughts, and that's on me to deal with. She starts getting yeah. psychoanalyzed. She goes, and these negative thoughts came, and I'm like, I want to, I want to hurt Ryan. I want to hurt Arian, but I have to deal with it. And and when these thoughts come in, how I react to these thoughts is all me. Um, but you're, but you're, uh, one thing I'll, I also want to add. So you had a lot of good points there. And another thing that me and Jennifer Milliken were talking about on this podcast a couple of years ago, and I talked about it previously in that quote earlier. And I said, I wanted to double back on it when I said, there's a quote that's famous that sports don't, um, grow your character, build your character. They reveal it. So yes, they can reveal your character when you're tired, the chips are down. How do you, you react? But no, I disagree with the part where it can't build your character because you can get mentally stronger. You can improve. And some people say like um, a quitter is always a quitter and that's something you can't fix. That's wrong. I, we've seen in sports, I've read autobiographies where some people were habitual quitters. And it's true. The more often you quit, the more it becomes a habit, the easier it is. Um, when, the, when the going gets tough, you check out. But you can turn that around. You can start turning that in terms of how you start seeing things. And Jen Milliken has said, like, that was, that was how I was. The chips are down, personalized everything, and, and found my way out. And she's like, I stopped that and turned the corner. And that's when things changed for me. And I've told this story a bunch of times about, like, George Foreman quit against Muhammad Ali. And he was in his 20s. And he, like, retired and literally quit the sport, packed his bag, took his tent, went home. And then in his forties came back and was like, I'm never going to, and people like, this is a joke, dude, you're 45 and you're fighting for the title. And he's like an old fat man. And he's like, I am never going to quit on myself again. I will never quit on myself again. And in his, in his twenties, he got dropped, got off the canvas, dropped again. And like, I counted out. And when he came back in his forties, he had turned the corner mentally and never hit the canvas again. And at one point fighting for the title, he got hit with a 27 punch combination. Think about that. <laughs> okay. That's pretty, that's borderline. The ref's going to stop the fight. Refuse to hit the canvas, refuse to go down and ended up winning a title. And it's you, the end takeaway is you can get mentally stronger. It, your past is your past. Even if it's like people seeing me quit, people see me check out, you, when you, you can dig in your heels in the side, but that's previous me. 
And you have the, every day you fucking wake up, you can make a decision be like, I'm different moving forward and start changing your patterns. Yeah. And it, again, it's going to be cliche, but it's never too late to stop choosing you and decide, you know, I'm, I'm going to put F into myself today. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to read into my nutrition or I'm going to learn about sports psychology. I'm going to start really digging my heels in with training or work or whatever it might be, you know, doing it tomorrow or today is, is better than never having tried. And, you know, it could be five years too late in your own eyes, but if you start now, then at least you're starting or coming back or making that decision. Um, And I think people feel a lot of guilt around, oh, but if I started, you know, here, I didn't quit here. So like, what's the point? Mm. And, you know, I, I urge them to throw those thoughts out and kind of say, I'm the point, you know, I I'm working on myself and, you know, I'm, I'm choosing, I'm choosing to start today and now to put that effort in and, and work on that. People, people aren't even dead yet. And they're acting like the dead. Like, are you dead yet? Like, I don't give a shit how old you are. You want to have no goals, no life, no aspirations. You're not doing nothing. You're not self-improving. Then you might as well be dead, man. Stop acting like you're already dead. Like, let's go. What do you, <laughs> yeah, I wish if I could double back. I would have said this to this girl. I would have applied for that job. I would have, well, no shit, huh? Like that's literally everybody in life. You know what I mean? Johnny Depp is as rich and famous as they get. Probably he wouldn't have dated Amber Heard to begin with if he could double back. Everybody's got regrets, man. Just freaking, if you're alive, you need to, you can't, you got to let go of the past. I should have, could have, would have. You're still here. Figure out what do you want to do right now? And if you've always been this person, always been that person, you don't have to be like, it's weird. I, um, you know, we never did talk about Canada's Got Talent. How much time do you got, by the way? I've got enough to hear about Canada's Got Talent. Okay. Arian, how you doing, Playboy? I'm okay, good. good. Thank you, love. Um, so people see me on shit like Canada's Got Talent, and it's like a thousand people in a packed audience. Million plus are going to watch it on TV. You wake up the next day in all the like uh, news and whatnot, like talk about the previous night's episode, and they have guests on whatever the shit. So to say it's like extremely anxiety and um, you're like, like it's, it's, it's really, 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 really difficult. And that's not putting it in perspective, but when people see me hit the stage and do shit like that, or do public speaking and it's live on TV and stuff like, like, like for real on TV, not even just like the powerlifting stuff people see me do now, but in previously in life, I was doing stuff like that. And they think that's just Ryan, but that was not how I always was. If you met me in high school, I was a shy kid. In my early 20s, I never in a million years, that was not me. I would avoid public speaking. I would avoid going on stage. I would like just not do these things. I wasn't that person until I was like 28 years old, not getting into the whole story, but a major life event happened. At 28, a major life event happened. So I'm pushing 30. And I decided... I never again am going to say no due to fear. If it's fear, that's not the reason to say no. If it's scary, that's not. If there's other reasons, fine, but that is no longer a reason why I say no. So then all of a sudden at 28, 
I'm like in front of crowds. I'm doing public, all this crazy shit. At one point you're going on tour and everything. And it's like, um, and you're literally going on stage to be judged by celebrities with a million people watching. There's nothing more terrifying. Public speaking or doing anything publicly with a packed house, celebrity judges are going to judge you. And a million people get to watch them judge you. Oh, and by the way, if you fuck up, you're a meme and a gif and it's embarrassing and everyone's going to talk about that. It's like, it's like a nightmare. And people see that and be like, you were always like that. No, man, you can get mentally stronger and change. Like you just, at one point I decided I am not like that anymore and I'm changing right now. And from there on out, that's why before 28, you don't see them projects with me attached after 28, like a reality TV show, Kenneth's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, Guinness World Record Show. Like I'm doing all this shit now all of a sudden. And it's like, oh, like, was that because before 28, there was a lot of social media? You're like, true, right? Your boy's old. But at the same time, it is like, because I didn't, there wasn't anything, even if there was social media at the time. I had no footprint. I was, I would get anxiety in front of people. I was the quiet guy in the room. I was, that wasn't, I just like, I, I, it wasn't like that, man. If people think like, that's not me. That's not you. Cause you're saying it's not you. Yes. You can change shit. As soon as you get over certain things, you can, you could change, turn the corner and be like, I no longer make fear-based decisions like that with regards to this anymore. It's fucking possible, man. That's why like people like you and your job, it's important. Like people like anybody can go to you and be like, I need to work on this. I, I, I notice I make these type of decisions. I don't like it. And it's like, how do I stop? It's like, well, all right. Talk to me about, like you said earlier, talk to me about your feelings when they come. What do you do when they come? What's the cycle? Let's talk about what you can do instead and, and let's start chipping away. <laughs> it could happen. Uh, how do people get a yeah. hold of you, by the way? Oh, sorry. Were you going to snowball off that? No, I was just going to say, you know, what you said about stopping not doing things because of fear. I think I have, you know, had that similar turning point in my own life where fear isn't a reason not to do things. I think fear is a reason to do things, um, which, you know, I think is usually, you know, a good idea. If you're kind of like, should I go in that tiger's pit? Maybe not. Maybe the fear is talking. (laughs) But if it's like, oh, should I, you know, go and talk to this person or should I do this competition or, you know, go on Candace Got Talent, then yeah, you know, it's scary, but no growth happens, you know, inside your comfort zone. Um, It's... For sure. Um, like when I met you at Worlds, you were fearless. You weren't shy anyways, but I don't know how you're feeling. You don't know how someone is. You don't know if like you just go outside your comfort zone. Even like the day to day, like some people are shy. It's like, just fucking go talk to people. You don't know the connections you make or anything, man. You just got to fucking put yourself out there. Like it's, it trusts me on the other side of the comfort zone. It's where all your growth is going to happen. Um, and uh, yeah, what you just said, fear isn't a reason not to do something. Sometimes fear is a reason to do it. It's like, why are you afraid? Because everybody will be watching. You know, there's a lot of, (laughs) that's, there's a lot of people like, fuck me, what I would do for an audience. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people be like, I got a skill, but I can't find an audience. Some people are like, there's everyone's watching and they're literally backing out because of that. There's some people who would die for their artists or whatever who would die for an audience athletes would die to be there russell or he had a post saying this kind of pressure is a privilege i fucking love that quote it's true he's like yeah 
I got a massive following. Everyone's paying attention and it's tough. You're going to feel sorry for yourself. You're going to be like, that's a fucking privilege. It's all about how you look at it. You're going to be like, ah, it's, it's tough. There's so much pressure. Khabib Nurmagomedov had an amazing quote. One of his athletes, he's an MMA fighter. And this MMA fighter is like, it's tough. I got all these interviews, so many interviews, so many interview requests. I got all these people counting on me and it's tough. And the pressure, is he going to win? Is he going to lose? And it's tough. It's tough. And Khabib goes, no problem. Just lose. Nobody will care about you. No problem. No problem. He's like, I don't want to hear. Khabib's like, I don't want to hear you complain. Just lose. No one will care about you. See how you feel then. Just give up. Stop. You, you hear me. Like, just no problem. Just like change your mental state on it. This is a privilege, my man. In 20 years, you're going to be like, look back and miss these. And if you don't like it and it's that tough, quit. See how you feel about it then. You're like, like, no problem. There's an easy solution. There's an easy out here. Like, you know, in your heart of hearts, this isn't something you should be complaining about. Like, change your mental mind state about it, your perspective on it. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and I don't want you know anyone listening to think that you know I have it all figured out because I definitely don't. There, there are areas that I that still make me so nervous that you know I still don't have a full grasp over like certain situations of public speaking. You know, for example, back when I did my masters and I had any sort of presentation on a study that I did, I literally sat. I was going to do a visual, but this is obviously a podcast. You know, I I, I don't know for you guys. Um, I just stand there and I'll have maybe they're really like shaking like a leaf and yeah. you know my heart would be racing and you know there are still situations now where that is the case you know I'm only human you know you guys are going to experience it in your life again too where you're going to be nervous and you can't quite connect that logic and that you know here and now and that's also okay because if you do it nine times out of ten and you still experience it one times out of ten then you're still 90% better than you were when you know before you tried so I just you know wanted to say that so it doesn't seem like I'm well, high and mighty. Look at man. It's like St. Pierre said when someone's like, so when did it happen that you turn the curve and you stop being nervous? You stop having these panic attacks style. And he's like, oh, no, it, it doesn't stop. Mm. Is that what you thought that it stops? No, it doesn't stop. It's just how you react. It's not reason to quit. It's not reason to not take the stage and complete your yeah. presentation. It's not reason to I no longer run away from these scenarios. And um, same thing with me when I was like, hands got talent, dog, I was scared shitless. Still got four yeses and made it through. It's just, it's not that you can't, like, I, I can't sleep the night before. I can't eat the day of, I'm having fucking anxiety like crazy. And I feel anxiety is a terrible feeling. It doesn't stop. It never goes away. It's just, I no longer run away from that, that scenario because I'm going to feel that. And I still do my job anyways. And discipline in knowing your way through the scenarios and being like, I'm going to feel like this. And even though I'm going to feel like this, I'm going to still do my job and everything will be okay. It's never that you won't feel that. It's just how you react anyways. And, um, and once I start, once I, that's like a, the cheat code became, once I realized it doesn't matter how you feel, you do it anyways, fucking doors started opening like crazy. And then, so when people like, exactly what you said so you got it figured out like you don't get nervous like nah, i feel the exact same way as you man it doesn't change it's just i'm gonna do it anyways i will not back down um and the more times you face the fear and everything works out the more confidence you get to keep leaning in and when i hit the stage now 
and I look big and I'm like yelling at the crowd and I'm like, whatever, like, the, like Trish Stratus, the WWE star was like, you grab the flag and yelled at the crowd. This is our house. And I was like holding the Canadian flag and the crowd's like popping, like on their feet back at me. And she's like, holy shit, man, you came in with energy. It looks like I'm fearless and I'm, I'm still scared shitless. I promise you. It's just, I don't let it stop me from doing it, but it's not, I still got feelings, man. I'm not a psychopath. <laughs> Were you, how did you feel out of interest kind of coming off of it? Because obviously you were so, like you said, you were, you were anxious and nervous beforehand. So what was the feeling, you know, coming out of pulling through and doing it? Oh, th- that's the thing. Like um, the buildup and then like when you actually hold your ground and pull it off and uh, fuck me. And it's, it's an amazing feeling to be like, huh? Like, it's like, it's like, uh, oh man, the bigger the moment and the more pressure when you can actually pull it off, like, and you get like in this scenario, like a standing ovation, four yeses, and you go through and you're like, holy shit. Like, it is crazy. If you try to keep your moments small, if you avoid anxiety and fear, the mo- it's the reason why you got anxiety and fear is because the moment's probably big. And you're like, oh my God, this is going to be big. So when you try to make it manageable moments, much less anxiety and fear, the moments become smaller so then when you get the wins, they feel smaller because you're keeping it manageable. So it's the risk reward. Yeah, the risk was small, but the reward was probably much smaller. But when you're like, let's fucking go all in and see what happens here, huh? And uh, we'll use like the powerlifting, the Gavin Aiden situation. He's on all these podcasts. He's going to the world championships. Everybody's watching. Got bigger and bigger. It's getting bigger and bigger. But when you fucking pull it off, there will be that adulation afterwards, like the relief didn't go bad, the joy, it went good, the the respect you have for yourself or fucking, no matter how I felt, I didn't back down and I saw this through and I was brave when I, you know, it's, it, there is no bravery without fear. It's not brave if you weren't afraid, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, when people talk about, I'm a robot, I don't have feelings. Well, then you're not brave then, huh? It didn't mean nothing to you. Anyone could do that. Like, it's the moment, man. It's, um, yeah, it, it was, it's, it's big, uh, when I lean into those type of moments and you could start, I could see how people could start. Like, uh, again, I'm obviously into MMA and boxing. Some of these guys can't leave the game because there's a fucking bit of like a rush with it. Like you actually can start liking the feeling of anxiety and holy fuck, and then going through the motions and like that whole, will it happen? Will it not? You know, it's, um, yeah. you can get it. You could be an adrenaline junkie, essentially. You could start, you know, start yeah. chasing people down in fucking downtown Toronto. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out in downtown Toronto looking for that action now. Okay. I'm ready Staying for that action. <laughs> you got your running shoes on. There I got my running out. shoes on. I'm hydrated. I'm fucking, you see me doing calisthenics. You're like, this motherfucker is ready to pop. Okay. You got people at every corner with like glasses of water to hand you as you're I, running. I, I got a two, four of, of fucking water and I'm doing jumping jacks, just ready to go. Let's go, baby. And I'm chasing that adrenaline. And everyone who was thinking about mugging somebody is like, not, not today. Yeah. Not on this corner. No, this man. motherfucker is ready. Yeah, this, this dude is ready. All right. Yeah, I find like I used to play lacrosse um, and I got like a fair few black eyes doing it. And I'm not (laughs) I'm not the most like typically girly girl. So, you know, I'd get a black eye and I would feel 
kind of exhilarated afterwards because I'd be like oh yeah I, like I pushed myself like I I got into the like into the face of the game like I didn't step back when you know x or y was happening there's many reasons why I got black eyes none of them fights but you rough know stuff. You, you got, rough you, stuff you'll get in you'll yeah. dig in you'll be like everyone's kind of shining away like oh, I'll dig in yeah, right. I'm gonna hit me in the face. Go on. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. I will lead. I will lead with my face. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> go no stick. That's right. right. People, like, people like Amelia. We should talk, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like that's aggressive. That's aggressive. Keeping your mouth guard in as well. Honestly, <laughs> that's right. I took my mouth guard out. Let's go. That's yeah. how fucking. That's how athletes play. That's how athletes honestly, play. like it, it made me feel like not that the aim of of the match was to to get a black eye, but I was like, yeah, I left nothing behind. Like I'm I'm exhausted. I'm bruised. I'm beaten up. And not that I recommend people go out and find success in in bruises and black eyes, but you know, me at that age and at that time, I was like, clearly there's nothing else I could have done at that time. You know, I ended up with a black eye. So I did everything I could. There is, it's the same reason why, um, like I go to jujitsu and, and when you're grappling with somebody and you're like, it, when you're grappling, you can go hundred percent. Like in boxing, you can't go hundred percent. You get, you get knocked out, concussions, whatever. And you're not going to like, it's bad. But when you're grappling against another man, your size, bigger, whatever the shit, you go 100% all out against each other. Like you were trying to strangle him. He's taking you down, going for leg locks, on bars. Like few people are going to feel like, like maybe that their whole life, or if they have, it was like once in 10 years, like where you literally lock up with another grown man and go like 100% full on physical confrontation to like a finish. Like a, a, he's taps and you like, or you tap and you give up. It's that's when you actually wrap your head around what you're doing, that's the wildest. And you show up like you could several times a day. If you show up once a week, just once a week, which isn't very often, and you go five rounds of five different people, and there's 50 weeks, you do the math on how many fucking times you've been in that weird situation. And um, you start like nobody. Well, first off, it breaks off certain stigmas about like in terms of fear. And um, actually just shedding all that away and realizing like, I have things I have to do. I probably, I have like, you know, decisions I have to make real quick on the fly. I have like, uh, you know, you start doing decision-making. It's like huge in terms of like growth, dealing with decision-making under pressure and it breaks stigmas. And all of a sudden you're not afraid of certain scenarios because you're in the scenario so many times. And there is like that adrenaline rush that you were just kind of talking about where you're like, shit here we go like you know what i mean like you know every day at the end of class every single day all right five rounds and we're rotating partners it's like fuck, here we go like it's a weird let's feeling go. like that's fucking go <laughs> but you have to maintain you know be not like dump all your adrenaline too early because you'll gas out and get tired and like it's, it's you, you learn a lot man you know, that's why I like that kind of thing, like you described in terms of um, sports when things are physical. Yeah, you do learn, you learn a lot. You, it's character building as well. Yeah, learn not to use your face as much. You know? Oh, that's true. Don't leave with your face. <laughs> Don't leave with your face. There's another hot tip, hot take. Um, Here I Aaron, am. Aaron, did you have any other questions, sir? I mean, a lot more questions, but maybe we have to save it for another episode. Uh, dog, isn't that how it always fucking goes? <laughs> 
once we start talking like we're like over 90 minutes and this is we just start talking and this is the way it goes sometimes um actually wait a minute are we like over two hours i think so yeah holy fuck well damn <laughs> maybe <laughs> chat i guess we will have to do this again but how do people uh get a hold of you for like coaching and and do you do online and all that as well yeah so the most of my uh the majority of kind of my work because I work with guys and girls um internationally is online um and via that and then if they are UK based or happen to be in the same country then like I'll try my best to get to their comps as well and things like that um but I can be probably easiest caught on Instagram so at pots thinks I have to say it really slowly because if I say it quickly, it sounds like pot stinks. <laughs> Which, you know, maybe I should change it to that for ease. Um, <laughs> period. Pot. Period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pot Underscore. is thinking. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where I can be caught. And you know, you know, I drop me a message or follow, or if you're interested, then you can apply there. You know, or if you just want to chit chat. I'm always, always down for that. And um, if anything, anybody took away from this, like you can always improve on the mental game and you can always improve, like just putting things in perspective and like anybody, everybody feels this. Everybody, if you're a human, you're going to feel these emotions. So like everybody can use help during it. Even just like mental prep into one competition and then be like, and use some of those tools and check them back in. Like it's important, man. It's just, it's just like your mental health is huge and um, sports can greatly impact it. And you can a hundred percent learn a lot from sports. Sports will teach you a lot in terms of your ability with, with like discipline and goal setting, but how you react to failure, how you react to wins, how you react. Like this is, if anyone's a power lifter, it's almost like an opportunity for growth because yeah. you're, it's so um, extreme. And then everything we've talked about in this podcast about dealing with fear, dealing with whatever, failure, successes, and prioritizing and discipline, but not going too far. This is where you get somebody like you, Amelia, and be like, let me maximize the growth I get from this. Let me maximize my experience because it's not going to last forever, this journey of an athlete. Absolutely. And I mean, like I said before, earlier in the conversation, the, the thing I see in a lot of strength athletes and powerlifting is that drive and determination and motivation and you know if and this isn't me trying to sell myself or plug myself if you genuinely are interested in interested in optimizing your performance yourself as an athlete reach out to a sports psychologist it doesn't have to be me do some reading do you know have the conversations even just speaking to another athlete a friend somebody about you know your reactions, your thoughts, your cognitions, your behaviors around these sort of things, that already is, is going to help a lot more than just doing nothing. Man, I know it's cheesy, but just talking is huge. Absolutely. Just talk. And then sometimes you'll be around the right person who will talk back and be open. Sometimes you'll be around the person who does the thing we were saying earlier. We're like, I don't know what you're talking about because I'm a robot and I don't feel nothing. I don't like the Terminator dog. I don't, it's like, come on, dog all right (laughs) that's what arian's like with me 
I'm a pizza eating robot, dude. I don't know. <laughs> you just wait until he's got this romantic proposal laid out with tariffs. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm gonna break him open. That's when we're gonna get the emotions fly, flowing when when the ring comes out. Ah, oh, shit, man. You better have your running shoes on for Paris. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Area. We're fighting crime. We're gonna have an adventure in Paris, dude. We're gonna have an adventure in Paris. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on, Amelia. Much appreciated. Anybody listening, like I met Amelia at Worlds. She's amazing. You could, you were like incredibly easy to talk to. I didn't know you at all. And then by the end of Worlds, we were like, we we're part of the keep, right? Isn't that? Yeah, I keep. <laughs> <laughs> keep. Like an easy conversation. So if you're going to reach out to anybody and like talk about your feelings, and that's not easy. Um, like fucking you were made to be a sports psychologist, psychologist period. Cause you're an easy person to talk to. Uh, so yeah, anybody thinking about it, I would 100% recommend reach out at whatever level. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be world-class. You could take away. This is your life. You don't have to be like justified by I'm not at this level. Do you have feelings? Do you have goals? Do you have all this? Then you can use a sports psychologist. so anyways thank you for coming on amelia uh much appreciated thank you hopefully i see you again at one of these you know championships around someplace um but we'll do it again like everyone said because we just crushed two hours easy peasy lemon squeezy absolutely i can't wait and if you guys are ever over uk way let me know and i can give you a tour of london but maybe not paris how close (laughs) is sheffield Sheffield, um, maybe like a four, five hour drive. I could be wrong. Because a massive, you know, that massive competition with SBD Sheffield, we're going to be in the UK for that one. I'll make a journey. For 2020, that's 2023. We got some time, but (laughs) that's that's a big powerlifting competition. You might be there with some athletes or whatnot. We'll have to see who wins worlds and who shows up and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, uh, But anyways, all right. Until next time, thank you for coming on, Amelia. Thank you for coming on again and helping me out, my boy Arian. Um, Six-pack lap of that, and we are out.